You are listening to KAOP AM 1045. I'm Danny, and this is Accents on Purpose, a weekly radio show devoted to bringing you the hottest stories from the DIY scene of Seattle, the Pacific Northwest, and beyond. This week, I will be interviewing Daniel and Spencer, who are both members of the band Scorndog, as well as founders and possibly only employees of Youth Riot Records, one of Seattle's greatest independent labels. They wanted to do this interview via Zoom, so let me fire up the old studio internet and away we go. First off, uh, I want to thank you and uh, Spencer for making time. Uh, I know that uh, you could be out there uh, you know, making snow people, making a fort, uh, just throwing snowballs at old people. Uh, <laughs> I know that's, that's the sort of thing that you, you, you folks like to do. That is the youth riot way. That is the yeah. youth riot way. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you'd say. Once the, the snowball hit him, you'd yell youth riot and then, you know, exactly. run to the next corner. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for inviting us. We're really happy to be here. Uh, yeah, this is, I mean, this has been, uh, you know, probably over like two years in the making it just kept getting put aside and then the pandemic hit so but uh uh yeah so i mean we'll go through a lot of your releases and stuff but why don't you tell us how the first what what, what was the first youth riot youth riot release yeah totally so the very first youth riot release was uh Okay, so I feel like a lot of the times, like, a band will inadvertently start a label because they want to put out a record. Oh, yeah. Um, but we kind of started a band so our record label could have a band. <laughs> that's <laughs> um, great. And so that's, that's, that's what happened. And it was me and Spencer and our buddy Jordan, and we all went to college together in Tacoma. And uh, our band was called Lips and Tongues, which is – to this day, not the final band name, although the band has not played in about five years. Um, And we put out a seven inch, uh, I would say not hastily, but it was more of like a move to like attract other bands than like we ever expected we would ever sell the seven inch for our band had only played two shows at the time. And then we pressed. (laughs) I mean, some bands, you know, they put out a record without playing one show. I mean, but yeah, that's, that's, that's a good idea to like legitimize, like give your label some legitimacy by saying like, look, we have a record. Yeah. And it honestly worked because we went to school with, Oh, pardon me. Uh, We went to school with, uh, the guys that uh, had started the band versing and we hit them up said hey we just put out a record from our band we're starting this label like would you be interested and they were so that was that was our second release was versing's debut uh ep new descending and while lips and tongues was our first one i like to think that versing was like our first real one totally yeah and also to this day my favorite youth riot album it's great um i really like it they we had them on the show i think a little bit after that came out um oh yeah years ago 
Uh, so, I mean, since we're talking about them, how did the how did they break the news to you that they were stabbing you in the back and leaving the <laughs> <a> label? <laughs> it was, um, this is something that we've never really told anyone, but oh. the second album that they did the tape with help yourself records, oh, that's right. yeah. Nirvana, yeah. we were supposed to do a vinyl. We were supposed to have the vinyl pressing of that. It was going to be the help yourself tape and the youth riot LP. And it was, and, you know, for financial reasons and other things at the time, um, it just didn't end up coming to be. And that was kind of like, uh, I think they would have moved to Hardly Art anyways after, after that. But we had had a, another chance to work with them in, in between that. Yeah. So you dropped the ball. So, I mean, the thing is, <laughs> if you put out that vinyl release, you may have just kept them on the label. You're right. That is possible. Uh, but realistically, no. like, we want our bands to, like, you know, get out and sign other, like sign with other labels and like get their name out there. And like, you know, I feel like versing is like a great sound for hardly art. So I thought they were kind of tailor-made. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the, 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 their, their record on hardly art. I mean, yeah, hardly art was one of the better hardly art records in a while. It's, it's quality, quality stuff. Yeah. I love that record. They're so talented. And, uh, they were actually very kind about it too. They told us all about that they were going to move to Hardly Art. They even sent me a copy of the contract that, that they signed to just oh. be like, we just want to make sure that this didn't like step on your toes at all or anything. And they were like very, very nice about it. And they've, al they've always been so kind. They, yeah. They, I mean, yeah, they, they, they are, they are, they are great people. And it also, I mean, it, for being a label of your size, it must feel good to, I, I don't want to use the word graduate. That, that doesn't sound right, but, move on to a larger label that oh was, totally that was the dream <laughs> yeah. um and you know like through them getting side to hardly art like people have found us because exactly. they like searched yeah. out their old stuff so i i promote it to every band we sign you know i'm like <laughs> yo like don't feel like you got to stick with us like if you get other opportunities like you just give them a spreadsheet of all the places so they should not. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, email this people, email yeah. this person, call this guy. These are all the labels better than us. <laughs> so now, I mean, uh, one record, I, I mean, one release I do want to talk about is the Tacoma compilation. How did that come about? Because I think that's what, yeah, yeah. So that happened that was an indirect, we're going back to that first lips and tongue seven inch and yeah that was it the compilation was an indirect gain from that and the m moment that we had like put up our first that first seven inch on Bandcamp, uh this guy lived in tacoma named tanner who was just like hounding the tacoma tag on Bandcamp for like anything new <laughs> hit us up instantly and was like i see you have a label and i want to meet you and he was like super enthusiastic and like super jazzed and I met him at a coffee shop and he was like I have this idea and he was like I want to do these like 10 bands or like I don't even know what I think it was like 20 bands at the time and do and of all Tacoma Tacoma music to showcase it and he was really into metal and he just started a power violence band oh that took and, a turn. Yeah. <laughs> that story took a real turn. We took excited. a real turn. And he was like, so this needs to be on the comp. So we had kind of thought of this idea to kind of have this compilation start with like the 
Well, in comparison, the much poppier stuff that Spencer and I were working with into the stuff that Tanner and like his friends and his band were doing. Yeah. So the comp kind of progressively gets harder. Um, but Tanner's band that he was just starting at the time was called Mind Quad. And that was kind of where it all started from. So he just, he just, he wanted the compilation to exist, but he wanted a label to put it out. Is that, is that it? Yeah, and he just didn't really know how to bring it to fruition either. Okay. Yeah, he was really involved in like a lot of the Tacoma scene. His full name's Tanner Witted, just to like give him a quick plug. Um, but yeah, he and his brother had started that band Mind Quad and like through that had met a bunch of people in like the punk, power violence and metal scene. And he really wanted to like kind of move into like doing that as a as a profession. Yeah. Um, and so he, you know, just was reaching out to us and at first, he was just like interested in kind of getting involved in any way. But at the time, you know, we had one release out and we were like, well, we don't have any, you know, work for you to do, but like we could figure something out. And um, the comp actually like, it, it opened up a lot of doors for us. Cause I, through uh, like recording these new bands, I like learned a lot about home recording. Cause I, we did it in our basement in Tacoma. So all the bands just came to your basement and you recorded them there? Or we went to their basement. Or you went to their basement. There was only a few people who had already recorded the songs ahead of time. Um, but for probably three-fourths of the song, uh, we recorded them at our house or at the band's space. Um, and yeah, it uh, taught me a lot about mixing power violence music that I <laughs> would not have learned without just doing it. Um, but yeah, it ended up really cool. And we like played this cool show for its release in Tacoma. Um, do you remember what the coffee shop's called, Daniel? Yeah, it's called Liftbridge Coffee in Tacoma. And the show was in a, a January 2017. Oh, and for reference, we met Tanner in summer 2015. So it took a long time to get together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The whole thing. Um, but yeah, there was that Liftbridge Coffee and we did it with KUPS in Tacoma. At, for the event um and it, it went really really well and it was probably the hardest we've ever worked on any release <laughs> yeah. um yeah uh, like i said it opened up some doors for us like a lot of people in the tacoma scene started kind of like taking notice of us and even up in seattle people started kind of like oh there's like this tacoma label that's like putting out cool tacoma comp um, I mean, I, 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 I have a, a, a soft spot for labels putting out all local compilations, especially the, the smaller the town or like, you know, this like, you know, if someone like in New York City does an all New York compilation, that's, that's not as interesting as yeah. obviously someone in Tacoma um, doing it. Because yeah, it just makes it seem like everything's more exciting, like or things that, you know, things are exciting. And yeah, Tacoma, like a lot of people that we knew that lived in Tacoma would say like, oh, there's nothing going on in Tacoma. There's no real art scene. But like, I think we were there at like a really lucky time where like, there was just lots of music of different kinds going on. And that's why, that's what I like the most about the comp is that like, like Daniel said, we start with one genre and it like spans to a completely different on the other side. Um, so when did you decide to move up to Seattle? Because I actually remember, I, I don't know what I tried to send you, I tried to send you like a zine or something, and I was just gonna send it to the label, and it got returned. 
because you'd moved away from Tacoma. <laughs> I remember that. Funny enough, we moved to Seattle uh, like two weeks after the compilation release show. Oh, that's great. And I remember because you were like, where'd you get that address? And I was like, your website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had like just moved. I, I like barely updated anything. Like Spencer was actually had moved into Tanner Witted's house for a, li- a li- little bit while he was looking for a space. So we were in like a huge transitional period while releasing this like two year buildup of an album. <laughs> um, but to answer your question, like why we moved up. Oh we, yeah, sorry. <laughs> we, we went to school in Tacoma and a, a lot of our friends, probably like a group of like 20, 25 people all kind of collectively moved up to different parts of Seattle. Um, and like Versing had moved up and like started you know, gaining buzz in the scene. And we kind of just were thinking about it, like, you know, we could stick around in Tacoma or we could try something new and like kind of take that next step for our label and for our bands and stuff. And so we just decided to make the move up. So uh, when you recorded live from the Tacoma Dome with Dog, was that before or after you moved? Was it... Ooh, wait, let me check real quick. It was... I think it was, oh yes, it was definitely 2017 because it took us, we hadn't. This was in 2018, it was February 15th, 2018. Okay, there we go. We hadn't played our first Seattle show until about four months after moving to Seattle. It was really hard for us. We we kept driving down to Tacoma after we moved to Seattle to play shows. That's great. That's hilarious. Yeah. um, After we finished college, uh, Lips and Tongues kind of disbanded because our drummer had moved away. Um, So Daniel and I started up a second band, kind of just, it started out just like kind of a joke temp band, uh, but it's called Scorn Dog and it's actually like turned into like the only project we've ever gone on tour with. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, what started out as just like a joke turned out to be like our most serious project. But it must make it easier being a two-piece to go on tour. Oh, yeah, so much easier. We fit in my little sedan. We get all the co- all the gear in there. We just... We just yeah, do- last year we brought a bass player on tour. And while it probably improved our sound by, like, 100%, it also made the car just that much, like, tighter. And we still did it in, in, in a sedan. In my Mazda 6. Oh. <laughs> Uh, what's the furthest you've gone, like, out on tour, like, the furthest away from Seattle? L.A. We oh, played the show. In 2019, we went down to L.A. and played a couple shows down there. Oh, yeah, we played another show, too, with the nephew from the guy from Nickelback. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that guy. <laughs> That's, I mean, how does that come up? Is, is that how he introduced himself, or is, how does that come up in conversation? Um, it came up, okay, so it was kind of a weird scenario. We kind of had, like, our L.A. plans fall through, and, like, my, I'm originally from L.A., so my parents had these friends who had kids who were, like, in high school but had a band, so we were like, hey, a high school band's better than no band to play with. Um, so we had hit up my parents' friends' kids, and then in turn, they, they were like, our friends of a band too, and one of them is Chad Kroger's nephew. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof indeed. <laughs> uh, let's just say they were better than Nickelback. 
you know? <laughs> uh, you know, that, that, is, that is a compliment. That's a compliment that can be given to many bands, but it's, <laughs> it is still a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, they were really, I, uh, whatever. I, they were really um, uh, uh, wanting to not play last. And they kept like really pushing me to not play last. And eventually I was like, why? And they're like, cause we want to go to this girl's house. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <sighs> We're like, you're playing last. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, how has the label been doing during the pandemic? At first we uh, didn't really know what, how it was going to be. We had, we had announced a Peter Campanelli album, like right at the start of the quarantine well well actually we had released uv uh, album by this band called uvs in portland and their release show was on like march 14th which was like the day it all started <laughs> yeah their, their release show got canceled and i think unfortunately i think that was probably the hardest hit um aspect of youth riot yeah. was that UV's release um we had announced a Peter Campanelli album. Shortly. Wait, so who 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 made the the who made the final call of it getting canceled? Like, who was it? Everyone just kind of like. It was my call because the show was supposed to be at my house. Oh, there you go. Um, and I remember just the week of, like, texting everyone like, "Uh, how are we feeling about this?" And like, you know, because no one quite knew at that time before like lockdown had set in. Like, oh yeah how much we should really be taking it seriously and how much we should be distancing. And um, so we were like really planning on doing it. And then the day before the show, the, it was March 12th, uh, I worked in Seattle public schools and they closed down all the schools. And I was just like, okay, like that's the call. Like they can't have schools. Like we should not be having this party. So ended up calling it. That that also be uh, like like pretty like bad like you know news article like teacher who refuses to to, to or, you know someone who works at Seattle Public Schools refuses to let your kids go to school but they'll have parties and they're we sure will party without them yeah like conservative talk radio would have had like you would have been yeah. uh, like a talking point <laughs> and and it could have been a super spreader event so uh, it good, good, good idea it probably would have been. <laughs> I, like I just I mean I can feel for you because like now it's easy to like think like oh well, of course you wouldn't have that but I remember when that was going on people were like had no idea and everyone was like really stressing out and no one like really had a good idea of like what to do yeah I remember just like in the schools like people were scrambling because they didn't know what it was going to be like if you closed down schools you know like it was all the uncharted territory and I guess it was the same thing with the label we like when when lockdown hit we were like what do we do like do we do we go out and try to promote our stuff like normal and I personally had a bit of an issue with trying to like make money from a time when like people were oh yeah sick and dying and so for a few months we basically like we didn't do any social media posting we didn't you know, an inch, like announce anything. We didn't accept any new demos or anything. We were just very much like, no, we're going to just kind of see how it goes. And as you, the year went on, you know, shit, crazy shit happened. And we oh, yeah. fell further back and tried to take less space from social media. Um, 
And then I guess I could let Daniel finish up from there because he's got a good. Yeah. So, um, all while this was going on, we had one, we had Peter Campanelli's newest al- album sitting on pre-order for like six months because we were hoping to eventually be able to have a release show around it and stuff, which obviously didn't happen. And we ended up releasing it, but, and that was great. But uh, we had some very patient customers and that was kind of the only thing we had going on. But back in January of 2020, I had had this idea to put mommy long legs on TikTok. Oh, and then I, that sounds great to me. <laughs> yeah. And then right when Spencer, I was saying I should pick up is all of a sudden in a, in like july august and then september was insane but mommy longlish just kind of blew up on tiktok and spotify and they ended 2020 with two million spotify streams whoa so uh i i i uh i don't have a tiktok account uh we don't either (laughs) Yeah, um, so I, I, only, I mean, I know how it works, but um, that's, pretty, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty great. It was incredible. It felt like when they had broken up in 2018, I was really depressed and I like didn't know what to do with the label and stuff because I had felt like that we had like found this like, like the band that every label always wants to find and then we had suddenly found them and then they suddenly broke up. Um, but it just... It was so nice to see all the interest renewed and so many fans. And I mean, like, it is, it has been non-stop since then, Danny. And I mean, they have, yeah. like, we're up to 6 million total streams now. Yeah, That's um, so great for them. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll say this, uh, you know, for any listeners who haven't checked out Miami Long Legs, they were, when they were around, were, like, probably my favorite Seattle band that was playing. Uh, their, their shows were fun. Their sound was great. Uh, their lyrics were so like perfect and of the moment. And there was like the perfect soundtrack for Seattle during the time that they were together. Yeah, definitely. They were definitely my favorite Seattle band at the time. It was definitely a, a motivating factor for me to move up and try to get involved. So Daniel, how did you actually first hear about Mommy Long Legs? <laughs> so, um, funny enough, actually, um, I went into spin cycle um, in 2015 right around when their assholes tape came out and i saw mommy long legs on the shelf i had like connected that name with with like a band i had seen on like a facebook event before and i was like that's local that band name's too good it's in yeah. spin cycle i gotta get it so it was it was basically spin cycle that introduced me to mommy long legs uh great that, that, that that's good to hear i remember i remember they i think they were playing a show at cairo and for some reason I couldn't go, but I remember the same feeling. Like I saw their name on like a Facebook event page and I'm like, it's a hell of a name. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then I got a chance to actually, actually see them. And uh, fantastic band, order the record listeners. And actually, you know what, uh, come to think of it, I remember talking to Corey once and she, I was just like, you know, asked her what was going on with the band. And they're like, oh, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna record a record and it, it's coming out on this Tacoma uh, label. And I, in my, I didn't say this, but in my head, I was like, oh, I don't know there's any labels in Tacoma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now I do, uh, which, you know, you, you've, uh, you've provided uh, tons, uh, tons and tons of great music. So how many, I mean, I know that you have like, just about like almost 50 releases. How many of those are 
like vinyl LPs and how many of those are tapes? <laughs> um, we've only done five vinyl releases total, three LPs and two 45s. The uh, very first Lips and Tongues release was a seven inch. Then Versing was, a, was the first LP we did. And then we have a Mommy Long Legs 45 and LP. And we did a Sleepover Club LP last summer. Which is great. Thank you. Yeah, I love that one too. So how does how do you decide? Like, how did you decide that like the Sleepover Club uh, Club record was going to be a record? Was it just gut feeling? We had first seen them at uh, I think it was the Mommy Long Legs uh, seven inch release show. Yeah, the Black Lodge, and I remember seeing them, and they opened for Mommy Long Legs and had you know very similar sound style like lyrically and, and musically too. And we, uh, you know, just started playing shows with them because they were our friend and they became our friends. We just really liked their music and thought that they had, you know, a similar sound, like a similar sound to Mommy Longlegs that we could kind of promote as a label that sells Mommy Longlegs stuff. Um, and they had, I don't remember the, guy's name who they recorded it with but they had like really went in and like took their time recording it and making it just like a quality sounding album like studio quality um and so i think dan and i just kind of thought you know this is the right time to kind of try something new and uh, uh you know it it's funny that you say that because i remember i'd seen them live um a bunch of times i, I, I saw them once um at that Miami Long Lake show, then they played at Hollow Earth Radio, and then I saw them a couple more times. I think I saw anyway, I saw them a, a, a few more times, and then when the when the record when I heard the record was coming out, I was like, man, I just hope this sounds like the band live because they sound so great live. Because there's so many times you see a band and they're great live and you love them, and then you get the recording and you're like. Well, this this isn't really it. Like, this yeah. isn't really like how I got to know them. But uh, their record sounds exactly like they do live. It's it's you know it's it is a really good recording. Yeah, they really nailed it. And uh, I'm really good friends with the the drummer Sid, and they just like have a very specific tone to their drums because they actually at the time were using a children's drum kit. I remember like I've tried recording Sid's drum set before. And it's really hard getting like a, a, them to sound right and like full, but somehow they were able to get it just like crystal clear on the record. Um, and that's probably my favorite part of that whole record. It's just like the, the drum tone. It's so unique. Uh, yeah. And, and that, you know, they're, they're singing drummer and uh, I mean, I guess that's hard to do live, but uh, yeah, it, it comes out. Uh, it comes out very nice. So what, uh, so what are you folks doing now? uh now that you're kind of like that we're kind of not over the pandemic but everyone's dealing with the pandemic a little bit better adapting adapting um we've been uh we well we're we've been accepting demos again we've gotten some cool stuff recently we just announced we just after like Talking about this for like three, four years, finally did a joint release with Den Tapes, which came out in December with um, Artemis, uh, with, who's, it's led by Diana and she's an incredible singer and it has Peter Campanelli that 
we put out their solo albums too, who's in the band. And that album, was, they worked so hard on and it was such a pleasure to get to work with uh, Den, Den Tapes on it too, which I feel like allowed to give it a little extra push that like we are now missing from shows. Yeah. Um, and we just announced uh, we're doing a, a cassette for this German band called None of Your Beeswax, which they just sent us a demo and they sounded really cool and fun. It was just, just a two piece and we were to totally were into it. And they pressed uh, vinyl in Germany and they sent us some to sell in the US too. So, How did they find out about you? <laughs> Who knows? I, I should have asked. Yeah, that's Sorry. Uh, we've had a couple international bands hit us up over the years. Like we've had this band from uh, Toulouse, France called Docs. Um, and I, I'm not quite sure how they all find out about us, but I think they're just some, some pretty savvy music heads over in Europe. Um, but we actually just like within the past week and a half got this demo uh, from this Indonesian band. Whoa. Um, and uh, they're really good. They're called, <laughs> they're called Dirty Ass. Uh, <laughs> very punk, but super dope music. Uh, we really like it. So we, we're, we're starting to try to get something going with them. And then we're also helping a Tacoma friend. I, uh, I've been friends with this guy named Aramis Johnson for a few years. And some people in Tacoma know him because he was one of the co-founders of the Oh no, it's not Toe Jam. It's um, well, forget that part. But okay. we'll just say uh, my friend Aramis Johnson from Tacoma is uh, putting out this record with his new band called Enum Claw, and oh. I helped them record, mix, and master it over the past few months. Um, and are any of them from Enum Claw? They're from Tacoma. Okay, but uh, I think they just thought that Enum Claw was a pretty uh, <laughs> it's a great name, no. Yeah, but it, I think they just liked it because it was like Enum Claw is a pretty shitty place, but they wanted to make it like a cool band name. Uh, you know, I mean, it. I, I the, the only time I go through there is like when I'm going on a hike. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and you can, you know, and like a post hike, you know, greasy veggie burger and fries. Uh, it's 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 pretty fun, but yeah, I haven't spent too much time there. And I shouldn't have said shitty for Enumclaw. Sorry, people from Enumclaw. I should have said remote. <laughs> <laughs> remote. That almost sounds worse. <laughs> it's just like not much going on. Like that, just, that, that sounds like something like some like, you know, woman in high society would say like, oh, yes, it's very remote. remote. <laughs> <laughs> well, I apologize again, Enumclaw people. Uh, so, okay. So if you two sold the rights of Youth Riot Records to be made into a movie, who would you want to play each of you? <laughs> hmm. It has oh, to be people I, living and working today. It can't I know who Daniels would be. Who's that? It would be, um, <laughs> the guy who played Napoleon Dynamite. John. Oh, uh, yeah, John. <laughs> I don't know about myself. Well, I think it's Daniel's turn to pick yours. Yeah, Daniel, you pick mine. Well, immediately on the Napoleon Dynamite theme, I thought of the guy who plays his brother, Kip. 
there you go. And so and there, there's the marketing. Like, you know, you like Napoleon Dynamite. What if they had a record label? What if they had a record label? <laughs> <laughs> You've seen Napoleon Dynamite. Um, and then one more, one more question. Well, a few more questions. One, so if you could book any three band post-vaccine show in Seattle, who would it be? Only Seattle, like Seattle bands? Well, I mean, if, if you want to snub Seattle bands and have, you know, Metallica come in or whatever, that's fine. <laughs> you, you, you do whatever you want to do, but like, yeah, any, uh, what, what show would you want to book? Uh, the bands have to be active. Yeah, you can no reunions. Okay, <laughs> no bringing anyone back from the dead. Well, one I would love to see Peter Campanelli and Artemis. Or actually, that's two. Uh, Peter Campanelli play a solo set because we got to see one show of theirs before lockdown hit, and it was just phenomenal. They had just like probably eight people up on stage playing a like number of different instruments. It was just like it was beautiful, and then. Uh, one of my favorite Seattle bands to see is, is Artemis, uh, Peter's band with Diana. Is that band just like, it's so moving to see their live shows. So that's two of my three. I'll, so I'll, I'll let you each do three. So it's, I, guess right. it's, I guess this is a two-day festival and you each get a day. <laughs> I feel like, I think they might still be a band, but casual. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Spencer gets one more. Oh. Oh yeah. Okay. So my third one, and this is a bit selfish, but I have started playing in a new project kind of right before quarantine. And as things were okay during lockdown, but I'm started. I started a new band with uh, Sid from Sleepover Club, Silva from the Carols mm. and Lolly from Mommy Longlegs. Um, it's the four of us and we're trying to change our name right now. Uh, so can't have, don't have a band name yet, but that would be my third band, Selfishly. Uh, that sounds great. It's, it sounds like a great debut show. Uh, okay, Daniel, uh, what do you, you've had time to, to think on this, to stew on this. So it's got to yeah, be good. Yeah, my answer is not, not very good. <laughs> um, well, one of my all-time favorite local bands, and I think they're still a band maybe, is Casual Hex. Oh, so yeah put them on the list. Um, I can only think about great bands that have come and gone. Um, I just keep thinking about all these amazing bands that I used to love, like nail polish and stuff. And like, that's all I want to see in the whole world. Have you heard Sloan's new project? No. What's it called? Um, shoot, I don't remember. He just put out his first tape like a couple days ago. Oh, I want to hear that. No, look that up. I would love to see UVs play because we kind of got that whole show messed up by the quarantine and it never happened. So I would have Casual Hex and UVs and Sleepover Club. Sleepover Club. I also thought of an honorable mention as a fourth. Darksmith. Oh, so good. Wait, so who's Dark? I'm, that's, I'm not, who's Darksmith? Darksmith is this cool kind of like post-punk uh, I don't quite know how to describe it, but it's just a sweet post-punk band with my friend uh, Danny Denial. Um, just like very different sounding. Their voice is just so unique and like has so much depth to it. I would, I would highly recommend checking it out. We put out a tape of theirs, I want to say like a year or two ago. Um, but 
really, really sweet. They've got great music videos too. Danny's like a super, super talented videographer. Oh yeah, check that out. Oh yeah, Sloan's band is uh, DWP, if you look that up. And I haven't had it. He just released his first tape like a week ago or so. I definitely want to check that out. Thank you. Yeah. I'm bummed. I thought that both of you, since you're both booking a show, I was hoping that both of you would do Scorn Dog and <laughs> Scorn Dog could do two sets. But <laughs> you know, well, I Scorn Dog, but it seemed too easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's, I've kept you on long enough. Um, thank you so much for making time. And thank you for having us. Yeah. yeah and I love your questions too. Thank you. <laughs> oh, cool. thank you. Uh, great. Well, the next time uh, you have a new release coming out, uh, we'll have you back on. Uh, and hopefully, you know, we'll all get vaccines and I'll be able to see you at a show. Yeah. Yes. Soon enough. <laughs> That's not soon enough. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was my interview with Daniel and Spencer from Youth Riot Records. And they're also in a band called Scorn Dog. So. Here's a here's a song from Scorn Dog and uh, we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.